Hi, my name is Jerry, and I'm a tabletop gamer who loves horror movies and dislikes anything that tastes like coffee. And I'm John. I love horror movies and coffee. And from his Glaston library, where he keeps the secrets of arcane horror, our producer, Chris. Welcome to Coffee Flavored Horror, where we talk about the good, the bad, the horrifying, and the horrifyingly cheesy. Speaking of horrifyingly cheesy, let's get to the talking with Jerry and John. Now let me out of this stupid box. All right, this week we're going to do something a little different. Um, because we did 13 Ghosts to the movie last week, this week we're going to focus on the details and trivia surrounding the characters in one of our favorite Guilty Pleasures movies. So sit back while we get into the extra cream and sugar of the 13 Ghosts from 2001. Are we going to let Chris out soon, or do we keep, keep him in there? I think it's safer for us if he's in there. All right, let me on. out. No. <sighs> well, the 12 main ghosts of the movie are supposed to be the Black Zodiac, a collection of archetypes listed in the Arcanum. The Black Zodiac are needed by the Basilius machine to open the Ocularus Infernum, or Eye of Hell. They end up being the most visually stunning characters in the movie, but while we get their names in the movie, we don't really know too much about them, so Dad dig some more. Luckily, between the extra features of the DVD and the magic of the interwebs, we can do a quick dive in the details of each ghost. The firstborn son or Primus Filius, who in the movie is Billy Michaels. And he's played by Mikhail Speedle. Billy was a little kid who liked playing Western games. He got into a duel with another boy, Billy's cap gun against the other's steel-tipped arrow. Billy was shot in the head and killed. As a ghost, the firstborn son appears as a, a, a pale child dressed up like a Native American cowboy. He has an arrow through his head. He's carrying around a little, like, hatchet that does not look like a toy. That thing looks like it would chop someone, uh... Nah, man. Kill you, man. That thing would kill you. It probably would. And, uh, I, you see him, like, walking around. Uh, he's usually peering around corners. I think there's a few scenes you see him, like, walking on the ceiling? Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It is really weird. The firstborn son is a mostly benign ghost. Uh, despite his appearance in the tomahawk he carries, he doesn't really do anything to hurt people. He pretty much just scares the living into walking towards other ghosts. But he does walk on the ceilings and the walls, and he occasionally whispers in the background, I want to play. I want to play. I want to play. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely just... I'm pretty good at it, and he's also yeah. scary at it, yeah, too. He, yeah, it's just... So... The boy that uh, shot Billy eventually ended up arrested and sent to Juvenile Hall. Really? That's it? I mean, it was an accident. Yeah, I don't think he should go to Juvenile Hall. I mean, Just shot him in the head with an arrow. You know, it's fine. <laughs> well, for, <laughs> He's hey, probably, wait a minute here. That kid's probably traumatized. All right. I just realized something. If you back up to his story, it says, in a duel, right? Yeah. Why is he shot in the back of the head? Was he shot in the back of the head? Yes. Yes, oh, the arrow is pointing. Maybe. Maybe that's not a... No, oh, maybe it wasn't an accident. That's maybe rough. Maybe Billy killed him. Mm. Mm. I, I will say that looking at the various references from uh, both the, the primer for the movie, the specials in the DVD, and some other things that have come out with interviews, there are some conflicting reports about these ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I bet. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the second ghost, the torso or truncus, who is Jimmy the Gambler Gambino. He's played by Daniel Wesley. Jimmy was a gambler and a bookie who overextended himself and bet on a fight, losing it all to Larry Finger Batalo. Finger and his gang captured Jimmy. When the gambler couldn't pay and tried to run away, the gang chopped him up, wrapped him in cellophane, and dumped him in the ocean. As a ghost, the torso appears as a bloody, limbless body wrapped in plastic and cellophane. His head is accompanying him, and you'd hear his screaming. Whoa. It's, oh, it's horrible. His head like his head's, uh, just right by his body. It's just, literally, he's just a torso with one arm pulling himself around. <laughs> Just lurching along. Yeah, kind of. And you just hear like his body, his head is like, Rrr! oh, it's horrible. 
He doesn't actually, luckily, do anything to the other people there. He uh, just basically lurches along, scaring Bobby a little bit while the cellophane-wrapped head screams. Uh, kind of interesting that actor Daniel Wesley himself is a double amputee. And to get the effect of the torso, they had him wear a black hood that allowed them to digitize out his head. But the rest of it is him actually moving along. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. He's done a lot of work in a lot of other movies where he's played a character who is missing one or more limbs. Makes so, sense. Yep. Would have been cool if they would have had him kill somebody by like wrapping cellophane around somebody and suffocating them to death. I'm not sure he's, a, again, I'm not sure he's one of the more vicious ghosts. He's the only ghost that doesn't actually throw Cyrus. How's he supposed to? I, I'm going to say he couldn't stand up. Exactly. I think he would have if he could have. This is the only ghost I could probably outrun too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Let's talk about the third ghost, the bound woman or Sorodira, also known as the dire sister. In this, the character is Susan Legro. And she's played by Laura Menel. Susan was a cheerleader and daughter of the richest family in town. Unfortunately, she was unfaithful and cheated on her boyfriend, school quarterback Chet Walters, with several other men. Chet caught her with another boy, clubbed the boy to death, and then strangled Susan with his tie. I mean, you could have just broke up with her. Like, it's fine, man. Yeah. Like, if that's not what you're into, I'm cool with it. Maybe he just thought he was a, a woman in a country music song. Maybe. That's possibly, potentially true. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. Me and, me and Jerry don't share exactly the same, <laughs> same theory about country, country music, but that was funny. Anyways, afterwards, he buried her body under the 50-yard line. Chet was caught and sentenced to death. Good! Well, I mean, yes. His last words were, the bitch broke my heart, so I broke her neck. Wow. I mean, oh, that's some harsh last words. That is some harsh last like, words. You hate, you hate her to death. As a ghost, she appears with a broken neck and her hands tied behind her back. Sometimes she appears suspended, hanging in the air by the tie that killed her and broke her neck. Man. Just, just man. Yeah. Ugh. Bound woman mostly acts to lure the living, especially Bobby, towards other ghosts. At the end, her hands are unbound, which is weird. Yeah, it's one of the weird little plot holes. I think what you're going to see with this, and we're talk, we'll, we'll, we'll mention it now. If you look at the ghosts, the ghosts that are actively malign right. are the ones who are also bad people in life. Okay. The little boy doesn't actually, he wasn't a bad person in life. He doesn't try to hurt anybody. The torso was just a bookie who mm-hmm. ended up reading on a, on a... He was a gambler that didn't pay his debts. The bound woman cheated on her boyfriend multiple times with various people. So that puts her into the not a nice person. And then she actively tries to lure Bobby away so that Cyrus can capture him. Oh, she's yeah. a much she's a much more malignant character. She's a deceiver. Good call, Chris. I mean, that's what the point yeah. of that's the point of the ghost. If we're gonna go by that theory, which is a good theory, then all of those things make sense. When you start looking at the ghosts that are actively malignant in the movie, they were also people that were actively malignant in life. All right, makes sense. Let's talk about the fourth one, who is not malignant, the withered lover or amateur Marcidius. The character is Jean Criticos, who is the wife of Arthur, played by uh, Catherine Anderson. Jean was Arthur's wife and mother to Kathy and Bobby. She died when a log from the family fireplace set the Christmas tree on fire, burning the house down. Arthur got the kids out, but Jean was burned horribly on the side of her face and later died in the hospital, very tragically. And we find out later that it's not a, it's not, not an accident, not really. No. Jean appears as a woman in a hospital gown with an IV stand standing next to her burnt face. I didn't notice that. That's clever. I haven't watched this movie in a few years. But her face is like really like it's her, messed her, up. Oh yeah, her left side is all just it's, burned. It's Freddy Krueger. Like, she laid in that fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's bad. Ugh. Now Jean, of course, being the mother of the kids, is extremely benign, and she even helps her son Bobby when he's being chased by ghosts. In the end, she even appears to her husband after he saves the kids, sharing a smile with him before disappearing to give him some closure. Yeah, and also her face is better then, mm-hmm. which is interesting and 
fascinating and good. I don't know how it makes any sense, but sure. None of the other ghosts look better. Well, the one the bound woman's not bound anymore. No, but the well, we'll get to it when we could talk about the torn <laughs> the angry princess, I think. Yeah, the angry princess. Uh, let's talk about the fifth one. This is the torn prince or Echisis, which means the rent night, rent meaning like torn asunder, not like on sale. And uh, the character was a person named Royce Clayton. They're played by Craig Olesnik. So Royce was a skilled high school baseball player in the 40s with a bright future. Unfortunately, at age 17, he accepted a drag race against a greaser named Johnny. Actually, I like this ghost a lot. The greaser cut Royce's brake lines before the race, causing Clayton's car to flip and drag Royce underneath before exploding. His body was buried under the pitcher's mound at school. The torn prince appears as a leather jacket-wearing teen with a horrible gash on his chest and mangled flesh on the right side of his face. He was, uh, he was one of the, the people from Greece. He just, you know, didn't get didn't The Grease Lightning! Yeah, he was like Grease Lightning, except his face was like Grease Lightning on the floor. It probably. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> he got, terrible. He got dragged under the car <laughs> and then it exploded. This is bad. Well, that would also explain why he's a violent ghost. <laughs> uh, the torn prince attacks people with a, a baseball bat. That he uh, used a, he's a baseball player, and he always does a bat. Makes sense. In his greaser outfit. He goes after uh, several of the people in the movie. He's, oh, yeah. He's one of the more active, violent ghosts. If you look, in, even in his like, little ghost and encounter, he has this car behind him. Yeah. <laughs> if you pay attention, there's a lot of details in the cages with the people that are there. Oh, there is. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the rumors is that one of the first victims of the Torn Prince's ghost was Johnny. He kept caught up with him and took care of him. Oh, really? So that's one of the backstory that Johnny Damn. died. Yep. I want more story on these ghosts. I would love to watch a, a, a limited series where each episode was about one of the ghosts. Maybe great little horror story about each ghost. Yep. Tell me about the sixth one. Oh, one of my favorite ghosts, the angry princess or CB Mortem Concierge, which is she committed suicide. The character is Dana Newman. And she is played by Shauna Lawyer. Dana was a natural beauty who couldn't see how pretty she was. A combination of abusive boyfriends and low self-esteem led her to get constant surgeries from implants to nose jabs and other unnecessary procedures. One night, she tried to correct an imaginary imperfection in her face and uh, ended up blinded in one eye. That seems bad. Just a little. Yeah, just a little. Like, ah, I stabbed myself in the face. Oh, it's Final Destination. Oh, God. I know, right? <laughs> Distraught and self-loathing, she used a butcher knife to mutilate herself in the bathtub, committing suicide as she bled out. Oh, oh. it's so bad. Why? Ah. Now, the angry princess appears as a pale, nude woman carrying a butcher knife. She's covered in blood and deep slashes, including a vicious cut right through her right nipple. The angry princess is one of the more prevalent and violent ghosts, stalking Maggie and almost stabbing Kathy. She also threatens Ben, forcing the lawyer back into a trap where he is bisected by a sheet of rune glass. Now, when Kathy's in the bathroom, Dana can be heard whispering, What is she doing? And I'm sorry. So when she sees. Kathy moving around, she's a bit confused by the girl who's just like washing her face with blood and so on. Anytime that uh, Dana's in the room, when you look through the glasses, the bloody room is there. And the bathroom, it says, I'm sorry, written on the walls. But for the rest of the movie, whenever anybody puts the glasses on, if the angry princess is there, the terrain changes to be blood covered. That's cool. Any room she's in has blood on it. Love it. There are rumors that the angry princess was played by a porn star. That's fascinating. Yeah. Often a tribute to Aria Giovanni or Shauna Linnae. But it was Shauna Lawyer who re retired from acting after 13 Ghosts. According to some on the set, the idea for her to be topless and to have that slash through her nipple came from the actress Shauna herself. That's cool. She thought it would be more terrifying and memorable. Because it is? Yeah. yeah. And her makeup took the longest to apply. And she thought that adding all that stuff to it would make it worthwhile. 
and it's very effective. All right, the seventh ghost is the pilgrimess or the buried lady, uh, who was Isabella Smith in life. No Latin? No Latin for her. Interesting. She's played by Xantha Radley. Isabella was a visitor to New England during colonial time. She an old ghost. She an old soul. She was accused of being a witch by the locals, and they attempted to burn her in her barn. That, that seems, yeah, that's about on point. Never mind. But she survives the fire, and the townsfolk took this as a damning evidence. <laughs> of course they did. Of course. <laughs> she was placed in the stocks where she was beaten and stoned by the locals until she slowly yeah. died of exposure and starvation. Because, you know. Better off dying in the fire. Man, those Puritans, let me tell you, they're, they're lovely people. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's what happened. Like, they accuse you of being a witch, and so they would do something that would kill a normal person. If it doesn't kill you, then you're a witch, so we're going to kill you anyway. Yeah, Once yeah. you're accused of being a witch, that's it. Horrible. As a ghost, the pilgrimist appears as a dusty, cobweb-covered woman, still bound to a yoke in the st- or the stocks. She chases several of the living in the house, driving them into the library before getting separated by the room glass. She is a more aggressive ghost, which she doesn't get to do much to anybody because just before she catches somebody, the door, the, the house changes and blocks her off. I mean, she's in the stocks anyway. What's she going to do? Hit him with the stocks? Like, eh, probably. Eh, eh. Sorry, I don't mean to make fun of her. <laughs> she's going to hit him with the stocks and, ju- and stare at him judgmentally. I mean, that's why I mean, I would throw stones if I was her. I'd be like, take this, you jerk. Anyways, what's the eighth one? I'm going to throw. <laughs> I figure she'd just take her stocks off and put them on you. Oh, okay. That would be terrifying. All right. We're going to talk about ghosts eight and nine together because they're kind of a pair. Because the ghosts eight and nine are the great child and the dire mother, known as the Muries, which means mice. The great child is Harold Shelburne, and the dire mother is Margaret Shelburne. Now, the, the great child is played by Corey Ernst Heath, a very, very large man playing that. And then Margaret Shelburne is played by Laurie Soper, a very, very short person. Jerry, why don't you tell me about their story? All right. they, they were both born in the circus, right? Well, they were bo- well no, they were both part well, of the circus. Well, they were both part of the circus, correct. So we start with Margaret. She was a little person. She was only three feet tall. She joined Jimbo's Carnival as one of the freaks, but one night the tall man raped her. That, that's man, horrible. It's just awful. Yeah, that's just... And so she gave birth to her son, Harold, who was the love of, the, 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 who was her life. And then she took care of him and babied him throughout his you know, childhood and adulthood. And she, you know, she was always there. And then one day the other carnies kidnapped uh, Harold's mother. Oh man, why? And what, just to pull a prank, just to, just to be mean to these pe- to, you know, two people who probably already had a hard life. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they uh, threw her in a sack. Also terrible. Right. And she suffocates. What? Oh yeah, she dies. Yeah, I yeah. actually knew that, but and, I wanted to be, it's, it's just so brutal. <laughs> and then, you know, Harold finds out and does what every uh, greater child should do, grab an axe and murder everyone. This is a big boy. Oh yeah. yeah. Harold's a big, big boy. Oh, I, I bet he was swinging that thing too, just... <laughs> He murdered all of the perpetrators, and then he turned his uh, attentions on the freak show because he blamed them even though they were innocent. When he was done with that, he took all the bodies and stacked them up in the freak show. Yeah. And so the leader of the carnival, Jimbo, found out, gathered a mob, and they killed Harold and then mutilated his body. Which seems kind of overkill, you know? Well, yes. Yeah. Which is weird because they said they, they mutilate his body, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you see him... He doesn't have any mutilation marks. No. Well, that's good then, right? Yes. Because he was already dead, so who cares about after he's dead, right? Well, I'm assuming they killed him by mutilating him? No, I think they killed they him killed and then him mutilated him? his body. That's what All I right. assume. That makes sense then. Yeah, it's a very sad, so it, yeah, it is sad, sad, sad story. So as ghosts, the dire mother appears as a little person who's blind in one eye, uh, very pale, and she's always feeding her son. Uh, the great child is a big six and a half foot tall, large uh, person wearing a diaper and a bib who's constantly drooling food out of his mouth. When they appear, they always appear scared. They appear more frightened of the living than the living are of them. Mm-hmm. And they always kind of appear together. They do. And they really don't take any malicious action towards anybody until the very end of the movie 
where they help to kill Cyrus, which is probably best for everybody. <laughs> probably. Uh, our last three ghosts, they're, they're terrifying. And this, is, this should be fun. So uh, what's the 10th one? Ghost number 10 is the Hammer, or Malice Ignis, George Merkley. Played by uh, Herbert Duncanson. George Merkley was a blacksmith, and he lived in a small town with his wife and children. They, they had a very nice, nice life. Being an African-American, uh, a racist named Nathan tried to get George accused of theft to drive the black man from town. When that failed, Nathan formed a gang which beat George's wife and children to death. Ugh. Yeah, right? This is, this is pretty terrible stuff. George tracked them down and beat the racist to death with his sledgehammer. Good. Yeah, I agree. Good. Yeah. yeah. When the town found out, they captured George and used his sledgehammer to drive railroad spikes into his body. Bad. Before he could die from the spikes, the cruel townspeople cut off George's hand and strapped the head of his sledgehammer in its place as a cruel joke. It's awful. Yes, it, it is. As a ghost, the hammer appears as a massive man with, a, with railroad spikes piercing his flesh. Really? I would never have guessed that after what I just read. <laughs> You're right. I figured he'd but, just be fine. Look, look just fine. But it's not just a few... It's like a bunch. It's a bunch of, there is an entire railroad of spikes in this man. And his uh, uh, hand is cut off and is replaced with the, the hammer. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. And he likes to pull his little spikes out, which is even more creepier. If you pull, he, like, he pulls his spikes out and like, he can like, stab people with them. Yeah. And then, but then he puts them back. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's definitely creepy. Definitely one of the more uh, terrifying looking ghosts. He's also one of the more violent ghosts. He often yes, he smashes at the, the rune glass just because he's angry or attacks the living, which he has very good reasons to be angry. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, along with the Juggernaut, are ultimately responsible for the murdering of Dennis, played by Matthew Lillard. We love, we love some Matthew Lillard around here, at least I do anyway. I do too. I was very sad when he got murdered. Now, uh, Duncanson was not the original actor for the hammer. He was actually the stand-in for all the blocking shots and, and so on. What? However, Yeah. However, one day the actor playing the hammer just didn't show up for work and never came back. <laughs> Wait. And, yeah. So this guy got a job to be the, the hammer and the goat in the movie, right? Yep. And he just came to work and then left and never showed up again? Yeah, like three days into the shoot, he just didn't show up. And so they just started using the guy that they had as a stand-in, and he did a wonderful job at it. You think the uh, stand-in got paid more? Oh, he, got, he became an actor. Oh, yeah, you became an actual when, actor. When the original actor didn't show up for work, Herbert was prone to actor and he became the hammer I mean, for the rest was, of the film. He was probably an actor. He, he was probably an actor before that. It was yeah. just that which happened to be the job that he could get for, you yeah. know, pay. Hollywood's an expensive town, I hear. Oh, yeah. You don't say. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> do the 11th ghost. All right. The 11th ghost is the Jackal, or Canis Aureus, Ryan Coon. Played by uh, Shane Weiler. Now, Kalina also claims that the jackal is the sign of Hell's Winter. I don't even know what that means. We don't know. It's just, a, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little piece of backstory. So, Ryan Kuhn was born to a prostitute in the late 1800s, also an old ghost, a very old soul. Mm -hmm. As he matured, he gave in to his urges by raping and then murdering women in horrible ways. Man, this, this, these ghosts are having some rough stuff happen to them and are rough people in mm -hmm. some ways, man. This guy deserved to die, apparently. He tried to seek treatment for his urges, but ended up in Bornwood Asylum where he clawed the walls until his fingernails became torn, shredded, and deadly. You know, after he attacked the staff, they put him in a straitjacket, tightening the sleeve so much that it distorted his arms. Then they put a crude cage on his head and banished him to the basement. When a fire broke out in the asylum, Ryan chose to stay behind, committing suicide by burning to death in the basement. This person had a rough, terrible, awful person, human life, and then chose to die to try to get out of it, and then didn't, because then became a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Became a ghost now trapped in a basement. 
Well, okay. <laughs> the worst part is as horrible as a person he is, he committed himself to the asylum. Yeah, I know. Like, he's like, I'm a bad person. Yeah, Keep me safe. Me. <laughs> and now I'm doing more horrible stuff. I deserve to die. Now I'm a ghost. I'm going to kill people again. Yeah, well, you know. As a ghost, the jackal still wears the straitjacket. Though the sleeves and arms are now free, the wooden cage around his head is splintered and broken, exposing the jackal's vicious teeth. Now, he's one of the more violent ghosts. Really? I never would have guessed. He's attacks. He wounds Kathy. He later attacks Arthur and shreds him up pretty bad. Oh. Did he attack Arthur or did he itch his back? He attacked Arthur. Maybe he had a back itch. Well, he shreds the hell out of, out of Arthur. He's, he does, next to the Juggernaut, he does the most damage to people in this movie. I mean, he, you're right. <laughs> he claws up Kathy. He claws up Arthur. Um, though he does show a fear of flare, flares, which is probably due to his death, uh, his I death by fire. I think all the ghosts are afraid of the flares, aren't they? He's afraid of it. The other ghosts are driven off by the flares. And yeah, okay, yeah, he just, he's, he's actually, he's he actually afraid said, of them. When she comes out with a flare, he backs off immediately. But the rest of the ghosts still charge until they're hit by it. When she pull, when Kleena pulls the flare out, he backs off immediately because he burned to death. Yeah, he doesn't like fire. It was a nice, nice little backstory. At one point, he can be heard telling Bobby to leave me alone. Leave me alone. And Bobby's going, get the fuck off me. <laughs> Again, I think it's one of those things where the ghosts never actually speak to anybody, but you hear their voices in the background whenever they're around. Yeah, the ghosts can see other ghosts. Oh, yeah, definitely. they can, they can yeah. see each other. Definitely. All right, let's talk about the 12th one. All right, the Juggernaut. Or Stantiba Celsior, Standing Tall. This is Horace the Breaker Mahoney. Played by John DeSantis. Horace was raised in the junkyard by his father. Horace was always a large person, always ostracized for his grotesque appearance. After his father died, Horace lost his mind, dragging strangers back to his junkyard where he would murder them by dismembering them with his bare hands. And then he would feed the remains to his dogs, earning him the nickname The Breaker. He was eventually exposed when he attacked an undercover police officer. The SWAT team attacked him in his junkyard, where he killed three of them before being gunned down, with the surviving cops riddling the corpse with bullets, just to be sure. After his death, the Breaker's ghost continued to murder people, killing them in the junkyard and bringing his death toll to well over 40 by the time he was captured by Cyrus. Oh yeah, that, that ghost can murder some folks. As a ghost, the Juggernaut appears as a massive, towering, muscular man in torn clothes with dozens of bleeding bullet wounds all across his torso and face. And now we know why. Yes. The Juggernaut may be the most violent ghost. He is the last ghost to be released, but then immediately assists the hammer in murdering Dennis by snapping the psychic spine on a wall post. He attempts to get at Arthur, but is summoned away by the machine. Good for Arthur. All right. I guess we're going to talk about the 13th ghost, even though there's not really a 13th ghost. Well, there's a 13th ghost. It's the Broken Heart or Corda Tactica, Silence of the Heart. This happens to be Arthur Criticos. Played by Tony Shalhoub. Now, Arthur never becomes a ghost as he survives the sacrifice to save his children. Cyrus captured Jean's ghost to manipulate and torment Arthur before placing Kathy and Bobby in danger. However, though Arthur is willing to die to save his kids, his timing, possibly influenced by his skills as a mathematician, allow him to jump in the machine without getting killed. As a result, he's never killed and does not become a ghost. So we got, we got a couple of honorable mentions. John, what's the first honorable mention? Cyrus Criticos, the mastermind behind the entire scheme. Cyrus is a megalomaniac millionaire who uses Dennis to capture the Black Zodiac. Cyrus fakes his own death, appearing to have his throat slashed while capturing the Breaker. However, it was all a ruse to get Arthur and his kids to the house. Once he's exposed as being still alive, his glee is short-lived as a malfunction in the machine allows the real ghost to capture him and feed him to the machine. Slicing the man to ribbons with some terrible CGI. That's the part of the movie I didn't like. I, 
I, I like that they killed him. I just didn't like I, I, the I like way that they killed him. him. But it's like, wait, is he dead? Is he really alive? And if he's alive, why does he still have all that makeup on? Uh, he was trying to trick people. He was using it as a, as, a, as, a, as a diversion, I believe. Yes, because he wants Arthur to think that he is still a ghost. Yes, but he, Arthur didn't know how he died. No. But so he sh- didn't have to like, have his throat cut and all well, that. He could have just showed up. It like, still helps in case anybody asked, right? What if, some, what if he ever asked? It's part of, because of, among, I mean, it's kind of obvious among everything else, Cyrus is definitely a showman. He's definitely a drama queen. That is true. So, Did they explain how he was still alive? How he didn't die in the junkyard? Because he wasn't dead. He faked his own death. That's why Colleen is the one who finds him. Like they tell us, sort of, but they never like show the magic trick. No. They, they, no, they what, say what, what you he's do is alive. You find him lying there with what looks like a piece of metal across his throat. He's, you won't see his throat slash. You see a piece of metal across his throat and blood around it. So like he put like a metal collar on to make it look like he was he was killed. Sure, okay. And I'm, and Colleen is the one next to him who's saying, "Oh my God, he's dead." Ah, uh, all right. And and when he comes over, um, Matthew Lord t- takes the glasses off, so sees him lying there and doesn't realize he's not dead yet. And she keeps Matthew Lord from touching him because if he touched Cyrus, he'd know that Cyrus was still alive. Fair. And he needs to fake his own death so that Arthur inherits the house. Makes sense. It it actually th- that part of it actually that, that's a well done plan that they pull off. It just doesn't go so well from at the end. No. Uh, the next honorable mention is Dennis Rafkin. He's the psychic originally in the employee of Cyrus. Dennis worms his way into the house with the rest of the Criticos family in an attempt to find Cyrus's hidden fortune. Once the ghosts begin to get free, Dennis first tries to warn the family and then tries to help Arthur save his kids. Dennis is killed by the hammer and juggernaut while sacrificing himself to save Arthur. Later, his ghost shows up to help encourage Arthur to save his children. So that's our ghost roundup for 2001 13 Ghosts. Let us know which one is your favorite by getting a hold of us on social media. We are at Coffee Flavored Horror on Facebook, but you can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Dice Camp at GM Gerrymander. Jerry, what's your favorite ghost? My favorite ghost, I kind of like the Juggernaut, followed by the Angry Princess. John, what's your favorite ghost? I like, uh, let's see, the Jackal, followed up by the Hammer. That's fair. By the way, folks, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's C-L-I-G-H-T-1-0-1. That's where you can find me on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. If you go to Coffee Flavored Horror, message them on, uh, on Twitter, I'll see it. I can respond there, too. My favorite ghost is, it's tough, right? Like, the, the ghosts are so cool. Look, if you don't pick a good one, we're not letting you out of the box. That's fair. Uh, I like the Torn Princess. I think the Torn Princess has got a fascinating story, and I'm so sad that she didn't kill anybody. The Angry Princess. Oh, yeah. I, torn Prince, I, Angry Princess. I always think of her as Torn because she's so ripped up. I stand by my Torn Princess because now I can just put them together. There you go. She's torn because she's angry or angry because she's torn? Well, the prince is angry because he's torn and the princess is torn because she's ang- uh, is, is, uh, is torn because she's angry. Oh. She's angry herself, so she tore herself up. The yeah. prince is angry because, you know. He got torn up. Yeah. I stand by what I said. Sounds good. <laughs> Hi, we'd like to also thank um, some of the social media places that uh, promote, our, promote our show and let us talk about our podcast, uh, like Candyland Night Terrors. Horror Hoodlums. And uh, Hauntings and the Unknown. Watch for the announcements about our podcast and let us know who your favorite ghosts were. If you were going to be killed by a ghost of the 13 ghosts, which ghost would you like to be killed by? The torso. Cellophane wrapped to death? No, I'm going to try to outrun him. No, you're going to be killed by Oh, I'm going to die? Yeah, yeah. Jerry? (sighs) Oh, the withered lover, because she'd be merciful about it. That's fair. Me too. I'm I'm right there with you. (laughs) Although we might get burned to death there. That's terrifying. I'm going to pick the hammer then. 